0: I'm going to ask the near to passing out, Amanda Balo, to come on up and join me up here. Amanda came to faith when she was a little girl with a very faithful grandma who would bring her when we were over on Rice Rips Road, and, and she grew up, and she became an adult. And she's going to follow the Lord this morning, come on over here, in uh, Believer's Baptism, and she's going to read her story.
1: And I'm here to catch you. Okay. (laughs) All right. So here's my testimony. I have believed in God and had a certain amount of love for him ever since I can remember. My grandmother raised me, and this is because of her. My childhood was not the happiest. I never knew my father. My mother was in my life and loved me in her own way. But she had fairly extreme cerebral palsy and could not take care of me. I often talked to God as a child in times of trouble, but my understanding of him was pretty basic. I had not been to church or spent a lot of time reading the Bible. My knowledge really didn't extend beyond creation or the birth of Christ. When I was 16 years old, I befriended a girl in school who explained to me that being a Christian is more than just believing in God, that it's acknowledging that you're a sinner and need Jesus to be your personal Savior. She brought me to this church. Back then, it was a lot smaller, and it was located on the Rice Rips Road. I began to learn that there was a lot more to God than I thought and that a relationship with him has the propensity to run so much deeper. I fell madly in love with Jesus and started attending church and Sunday school almost regularly, but I hadn't really been out in the world yet. I had not truly been tested with temptation. When I went to college at UMF, I became very influenced by worldly things. I replaced my passion for God with men. I lived a double life for several years, going to church some Sundays and doing whatever I wanted during the rest of the week. I have always struggled with depression, and it felt like I have a hole in my heart and was desperate to fill it. I felt like I had to be romantically involved with a man all the time. I would run from relationship to relationship, seeking fulfillment, and the only thing that I got out of it was a building sense of shame and loneliness. During the time that I had basically turned my back on God, He never gave up on me. He was always there if I chose to turn back to him. I felt him drawing close during the hardest times of my life, especially when my mom was dying. I'll never forget God's very real presence on one day in particular. When my aunt and grandmother were on their way to the hospital to visit my mother, they were in a car accident just down the road from EMMC, where my mother was a patient. excuse me, um, my, grandmother brought me or my grandmother was brought to the ER to be checked because she was having chest pain. She ended up being fine, but at the time I wasn't sure that she was going to be okay. So the two most important people in my life, other than my husband, were in the same hospital, one in the ICU and one in the ER. If you knew my personality, you might be surprised at how I ended up handling the situation. I'm the type of person who worries about everything and is very emotional. But on that day, as I was going between the ER and the ICU, I felt such a sense of peace and heavenly-mindedness. God felt closer than ever before. I felt great love and compassion for my family members, and I showed them encouragement and support, but I felt like God was holding me, and the world couldn't touch me. It was the best feeling I've ever experienced. I finally came back to God, to really pursuing Him and seeking to know Him better, And the more I learn by spending time in church and in his word, I have come to the awesome realization that we were made for his love. We were made as a means for him to express his love and for us to receive it. That is our purpose. He's such a wonderful father. As I begin to scratch the surface of understanding his character, I'm filled with amazement and adoration. He never gave up on me all those years that I was lukewarm and made him want to spew me from his mouth. His love is so perfect, there is no guilt or manipulation to try to convince us to follow him. We simply have the choice. The fact that he gives us the freedom to choose demonstrates the purity of his love. I truly do have a God-shaped hole in my heart and only he can fill it. I've tested what, tasted what the world had to offer and it left me feeling empty. I've decided to give every part of myself, my life, to God a relationship with him is really the only thing that matters. The disappointments and sadness of this life do not ever cause me to feel any anger towards him. They provoke me to focus on eternity and the fact that this life is just a moment in eternity. I want to spend my eternity with God. Without him would be unbearable. I still, I still struggle with depression, but he fills my heart and he gives me a purpose where there was none before. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Every Friday I get an email alert from uh, a group that puts out just one prayer request for persecuted Christian family or Christian somewhere in the world where following Jesus really costs something, where fear is real, fear of being arrested, fear of being imprisoned, fear of being beaten, having your house uh, burned down, your family shot and killed. Um, and everything else that you can possibly imagine. And just this past Friday, and I was thinking about baptism and over the years, the reasons that I have heard from from otherwise solid, unquestionable Bible-believing followers of Christ for not having been baptized yet. And to me, it's kind of mind-boggling, with a few exceptions, where an individual has had uh, water-related traumas, And that sort of thing I understand, and we have ways of uh, accommodating those uh, true situations. Or in a case of theological confusion, which often happens when somebody is raised in an entirely different uh, tradition where the meaning of baptism is other than what is specified in the scriptures. And so anyway, this Friday's prayer request was for a man named Tin and his family who were Buddhist, and they became... Christians. They became Jesus followers. And so the monks of his community came and visited him and demanded that he and his family renounce their faith in Christ and they return to their Buddhism at great cost if they don't. See, we tend to think of only a couple other religions or even primarily one other religion in the world that functions that way, but actually there's quite a few. And so Tin, to his astounding credit, refused to buckle. A few nights later, his family was visited at night by 150 of the villagers, of the uh, Buddhist villagers who, um, I, I don't know if they went into the house or got them out of the house or whatever, but then proceeded to stone them. And nine people were injured, some quite seriously, And they ended up leaving their home, leaving their livelihood, leaving their uh, formerly friends and their other family that was there to have to find refuge somewhere else where they could live safely. That's what it costs other people in the world to follow Jesus. And so when somebody is uh, uh, insistent with me, it almost gets comical about why They can't be baptized because the point of baptism is to make a public profession of faith. And they are so afraid of speaking in public. Well, we took care of that by doing videos, which you're going to see. Most people uh, opt to do the video. Um, And, you know, it just, again, it's like, really? I mean, okay, I understand you're afraid. Get over it. (laughs) Get up there. It's not that bad. I do it every week. And every week it scares me. Well, it used to. It doesn't so much anymore. So anyway, all it is to say is that as the service progresses, uh, invariably there are followers of Christ who are in the congregation who have never followed the Lord in obedience in undergoing believer's baptism. And so I'm just asking you right now for the rest of the service until the very end to consider that. And consider this being the day that you follow the Lord obediently in what He has insisted.
2: Hi, my name is Scott Baker. I have been a believer since 7th grade and my cousins were a big part into it and having me get baptized because we I've been talking about it since like last year and I've always wanted to, wanted to do it because I wanted to see what it seems like and um, I was influenced uh, a lot by my cousins and uh, I've always liked to do Christian events and stuff like that. What I what do I do for uh, to be a Christian is uh, go to youth group every week and I go into church, I pray all the time, I read the Bible and I've uh, always looked at different scriptures uh, and always was inspired by uh, going to like Bible studies and like, yeah. Why am I getting baptized? Because uh, That's what Christians do and I feel like it's my time to get baptized because I wanted to make sure that Satan had a bad day.
3: Hi, my name is Beth Fairchild and I've been attending faith for four years along with my husband, Timbo. My journey started in the um, Episcopal Church at a very young age, of course, with Sunday school and an infant baptism and confirmation. Um, I really have no recollection of Sunday school. Um, The only part I do remember is we did get to go to my uh, grandmothers and have homemade meatballs, Tahitian treat, and M&M's, things we didn't get at home. But other than that, I, um, I truly do not remember. But we continued in the church. We got married in the church, baptized our children in the church, and attended regularly. So i did i i had and believed i truly believed in god however um looking back now i i just didn't know the true biblical god that um i do now then time had passed years had passed another move a season of not going to church at all which was disastrous but then once landing here to maine um we started attending you know church and um then the storms came and two came at the same time which were very devastating to me i am your typical type a i'm a go-getter i was a little tiger i could get things done anybody needed it done they would come to me to get it done but it was all on my own strength and um not relying and trusting on who I know now it does come from. So when those storms hit simultaneously, even though I made it through, again, on just my own strength, when the third one hit a few months after, even though it was a small wave, it totally knocked me out, which is when I just finally, walking up Town Farm Road, um, raised my white flag and I said, I'm yours. I'm, I can't do this by myself and in my, on my own strength. I need you. And, um, that's when my life truly, truly changed. And that's when the born again part of scripture in John chapter three all made sense. And the the chapter I hold deep in my heart is John 3.16. But it's the whole chapter that speaks truly to my heart now and how God's Word just illuminates to me and how I'm just so dedicated and want to be in it because that's where I find Him. Why did it take me a little bit long, this long, to get baptized? Well... I had my mom who was an Episcopalian and when my brother first made that step out and he got baptized, her comment was, well, didn't the first one take? So that's kind of been in the back of my mind. Well, you know what? I, I was baptized, but the more I'm in his word and the more I hear the words, do as I command and obey, they truly resonated now in my heart the more I was studying and just being with him. So that is why i being baptized and praise God for his grace and mercy. Amen.
4: Hi, my name is Tim Fairchild, and I've been a member of faith for four years along with my wife Beverly. Uh, my story begins about back in the 1980s. I mean, we're talking way back there, even before Pastor Bill became the golf legend he is today. So uh, I'd like to talk about a time when I had a baptism done, which was meaningless to me and which I need to make right. I'm starting out with a new family, uh, young children at the time, and we decided on the church. Well, to be a member of the vestry fathers of the church, I had to be a baptized member. And the only thing I was was uh, dedicated as a child as a Baptist. So uh, we had the baptism in a small ceremony, just my wife and myself and the priest. And, uh, it's, uh, when that was done, I, had, I asked myself, was I changed? No, I wasn't. There was no change in my life. There was no change in anything. And I, and I walked against the waters for almost 25 years. I'd go to church, I'd punch the clock, and then I'd punch out again. And then just go out and live a life that was far from pleasing in the sight of God. So I had the head knowledge of God all my life growing up in a small church. But I wanted to live my life my way. I wasn't ready for God. I kept pushing him aside saying, no, Lord, you know, not yet, not yet. I wanted to do it my way. I was chasing the wind, as Solomon would say. So after we moved to Maine, uh, I sort of had a wake-up call. And God spoke to my heart and said, you know, and I had to ask myself, am I saved? And I asked myself that, and I was honest with myself is I don't know. Just remembering back from the '80s from what happened with that baptism. But through the true teaching of the Bible, and more importantly, with studying God's Word yourself, I finally submitted myself to Jesus and said, "Yes, I'm ready for you. Take my life, I'm yours." And the amazing thing happened. I found myself, I changed. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Thinking back now, I know that that early baptism back in the 80s, I was mocking our Lord and Savior by accepting something that I wasn't being responsible about. But now I know that I am His forever. And uh, there's four lines to a song, a worship song, that I love that, that exemplifies my walk. And it goes like, find me in the river, Finally on my knees. I walked against the waters. Now I'm waiting, if you please. See you on the lake.
5: Good morning, my name is Cheryl, and I've been going to this church for the last three years, and every year around this time of year, I've been a procrastinator when it comes to being baptized as an adult. My mom and dad made sure that I would get baptized as a baby, right? But what's holding me back? What's the delay? And why do I walk by that sign-up sheet every year? Fear enters my mind. When I was a little girl, it reminds me when I was a little girl that I took some swimming lessons. I had to take them. Mom made me. And the last day of the swimming lessons, to get my certificate, I had to jump off this bridge into the water and swim to shore. I was scared to death. I wasn't going to do it. I wouldn't do it, and I didn't pass. But to this day, I can swim fairly well. Seems like my faith is swimming along fairly well, but something's missing. Something is really missing. And. I feel that I need to do something about it, but I keep holding back every year. I've been on this bridge way too long, and I did it again this year. I did the same thing. Walked past the sign-up sheet, walked out the door to my car, And I could feel this presence of my Lord and Savior standing by me. And I turned around, and he guided me back into the church. And I signed my name to the day that I'm going to be baptized. And I said yes to the Lord. This was the day I was giving my life to you, Lord and I will jump off that bridge and swim to him into his open open arms his loving open arms and I will be at peace I will fear no more
6: hi my name is Grace Clark I'm the oldest with five younger siblings, and I'm 11 years old. Before I was saved, I never read the Bible, and I didn't understand what faith meant. I didn't understand about God either. Now that I'm a believer, I talk with God, I have a relationship with Him, and I feel like I have a new family. I'm being baptized today because I feel like God is calling me to be baptized, calling me to do His work and that I should show everyone about that and that I am being obedient to Him by doing His will.
7: Hi, my name is Jessica Jones, uh, married to Jeremy Jones. Uh, We've been coming to faith for three years now. I didn't really grow up coming to church. I did go to Catholic school for a few years, so I knew about God and the story of Jesus. Um, I had a pretty rough childhood with a lot of fighting going on at home, which turned into physical abuse. Um, But through all of that, the story of Jesus and God's promises really helped me to stay strong, even as I got a little older, and the thought of death being the only escape a life that I was given. Um, a little later in life, when I was 20, I met my now husband Jeremy, and we started our life together. Um, fast forward to 11 years later, and Jeremy was in his first year of AA. I had just had our second baby boy, and we received the news that my sister-in-law had been killed by our ex-boyfriend. It was very devastating for the whole family. But to see the faith that my mother-in-law had and how strong she stayed through such a tragedy and the faith that Jeremy had through his love of God and how happy he still was even after losing his sister really gave me something that I wanted. Um, months later, we decided to start going to church. We really wanted our boys to grow up with that in their lives. We started coming to faith and I felt my connection to God growing and Him pulling at my heart. I was still reluctant to fully give up control of my life as that's a big thing for me. I had a good career where I was pretty successful which was important to me because as a child I was always told I was never gonna be more than average. But while I was struggling in his first year of school And our daycare was closing that we had Connor in for his whole life. God was clearly showing me the path needed to be to spend more time with my children. I still did not want to give up control of my life and was denying my path. But I continued to pray on it and had conversations with a lot of the right people and decided to step out in faith. And take the path that God had chosen for me. I finally gave my notice at work. And an hour later, received a phone call from Jeremy saying he was given a raise. We were going to make it. That was my biggest fear. I didn't want my children to grow up like I did, always worried about money. And to know that God showed me we're going to be fine was very big for me. And that's when I decided to fully give my heart and my life to God. I've been homeschooling for a few years now. And while there's still been many bumps in the road, God continues to provide for my family every time we truly need it. My marriage is stronger than ever. My boys are truly thriving. And we've been blessed with our baby girl within this past year. And why am I getting baptized? so I can show my obedience to God. I can show him that I am fully, truly giving him my heart and my life and doing as he has asked us to do in the Bible, is to be baptized.
8: Hi, my name is Kayla. I've been coming to faith for a while now. Um, pretty well into my pregnancy with Lily. Um, life before I was saved was... Pretty miserable. Um, Back in 2013, my son passed away at six months and it created a really rip in in my heart. Um, I tried taking medication for it. I tried, you know, bouncing from relationship to relationship, holding on to my anger, letting it go. I tried Jesus, you know, a couple times, but I just couldn't onto it so for four years I was miserable living on autopilot didn't really know how to save myself and I created this religion where I was God because I was mad at him and that's fine when everything is going good because you can take credit for you know what you're doing but when everything falls apart then it's your responsibility to peel yourself up off four Four years of trying to do that I couldn't do it anymore so through the pregnancy center through God used my pregnancy with Lily to just change my life and it was just one prayer just take this pain take my brokenness take this heart because I don't know how to use it just give it back to me when it's beating properly again and um that's truly what he did. I, I four years of depression was cured the next day, and I haven't felt lost since since I prayed about it. So, me getting baptized, that's me. It's it is a step in obedience, but I'm ready to just commit to just be be this woman that God has called me to be. And I'm ready to, to just die to myself completely and just the, the person that I used to be, I'm not that way anymore. I, I used to be a very um, unstable individual and God has given me stability and, and hope and, and just promises for a better future.
9: this life hold nothing but my Savior. I will praise you. Oh, glory clothed in mercy knew my story yet took my end oh what freedom hope like heaven now forgiven I will rise again I found in you my Jesus that my soul should be in our greatness should this life hold nothing but my Savior I will praise you always oh, I will praise you hold oh. But the cross where Jesus took my shame. Where I stretch wide. My head held high. My every breath will sing again. The life I live. Nothing but the cross Where Jesus took my shame His love stretched wide My head held wide My every breath would take my gain Through this life I live Oh, nothing but the cross where Jesus let I shame. With arms stretched wide, I head held high, my every breath will sing again. That my soul should entertain Your greatness; should this life hold nothing but my Savior, I will praise You always. Oh, what grace I found in You, my Jesus. That my soul should entertain your greatness should this life hold nothing but my savior I will praise you always I will praise you. Always. I will praise you.
10: and I go to Misslonsky High School. I'm going to be a sophomore and I do chorus and soccer. My life before I was saved, I didn't do that many great things. I put tons of people before Christ. Like especially my friends and my relationships. I did I had no clue what I was doing with my life. And my life Now that I am saved, I went to snow camp with the junior and senior high youth group. And their teaching was amazing and everybody there was amazing. I met tons of friends there that are still friends with me now. And during one of the group lessons that we had, I asked God to forgive me for all my sins and to take me and have me put him in my life and my relationship with him has been growing ever since. And the reason why I'm getting baptized is to show obedience and to proclaim to everybody, this is what I believe in.
11: Hi, my name is Amy Fulin, and I've been coming to faith since last year, October of 2016. Um, I don't come from any um, religious background of any sorts, Uh, I was raised um, to not know God at all, and so I pretty much watched my family um, struggle through finances. I watched them struggle with how to parent, um, how to balance a marriage, and so when I um, grew up and started to raise my family, I did the same thing. and at some point in my life i thought oh my god there's got to be a better way and so i have known jeff and karen coochie for several years and jeff invited us to the celebration of life for karen and we went and i was truly i was just amazed like after i left there i didn't even know I couldn't even like find words for what I just saw and I couldn't even like find the words for what I was feeling so I just know that I watched how proud Karen was and how humble she was and that she loved her family so much and she was so happy and she was so content and at peace with what she was going through and she was okay with dying. She was okay with what God had planned for her. And I thought that's what I want. That's what I gotta have. I gotta know that. I gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> so now with that all being said, I I knew immediately that I had to know this God. And that was what was missing in my life. And so now, since I've been coming to faith and and learning about God and 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 following him, I my life is just transformed. I can't even describe it like it's like an out of the body experience and so I feel just very happy and satisfied with myself and and all my relationships with my family are better and I see them in a different way, in a different perspective. I am much more appreciative and much more accepting and it's been truly amazing to me each and every day. Just what I am witnessing, the people that I see and how they are, and how genuine and unconditional they are, and how much they love their Lord. or And I want, and I want that, and I am learning how to do that. I still have a lot of bad habits to break. Um, I still have some adjustments to make, but... I want to do that. I am willing to do that and that is why I want to become baptized because I want to give my heart to the Lord. and I can only hope that I can get even one of my family members to turn to the Lord. I want them to know how much better their life can be also.
12: Hi, my name is Chris Woolen. I've lived in Waterville my whole life. I've been coming to faith since October of 2016. Before I came to faith my life was normal. I didn't get in trouble. Uh, I didn't get in fights or any mischief really. Uh, I thought my life was pretty normal until I met some close people that came to faith and she was diagnosed with cancer and she was dying and when I got to meet with her days before her death I saw how extremely excited she was for death Um, what was ahead and not scared and totally at peace with what was going on with her life so that right there alone made me want whatever she had and the only way to get that was to make the decision to come to church and now that I've became a believer started coming to church, meeting new people, meeting new friends things have been amazing. I've I've become a new youth group leader, I've met all kinds of friends, even seem like I'm getting closer to everyone that works in the church it makes me feel welcome and at home and the reason why I'm getting baptized is because I want to give everything I can to Jesus Christ to show him that I do want to follow him and do everything I can to make my life and everyone else around me's life happier and more peaceful. And that's why I'm getting baptized.
0: I'm going to take a very brief look at a passage from the New Testament, from the book of Acts. When... The bigger context of the book of Acts is that the church of Jesus Christ is basically just formulating under Jesus' leadership and his uh, laying on of uh, the responsibility to Peter about raising up his church and all of that. And so I mention all this because we are coming from an Old Testament theological economy to a New Testament theological economy. And the difference of that plays out in the historical narrative that I'm going to read Because we're going to be talking about an Ethiopian, which means he was a Gentile, means he was a non-Jew, who some way, and we're not told in scripture, somehow even though living in Ethiopia, in Africa, had this burning desire and passion to worship the living God. Let me read and then I'll do a little uh, explaining from Acts chapter 2. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading from the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. And Philip ran up and heard the person, uh, the Ethiopian, reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless somebody guides me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. And it's basically a very close paraphrase to words out of Isaiah chapter 53. Again, the book that he was reading. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, and as for his generation, whoever thought that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due? Well, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, Well, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the Ethiopian eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. So some observations again, just about this brief little snippet of a piece of history in the early beginnings of the church. It begins with the miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit upon Philip, who was out and about with the rest of the disciples going hither and yon because there was a persecution that had arisen in the city of Jerusalem so that the church was now scattering, even in its embryonic form, to go and do what Jesus had commanded the church to do, and that was don't sit and get comfortable and and just relax where you're at, but to go and take the good news out to the uttermost parts. And since they didn't, He brought a little friendly discomfort, which compelled them to leave Jerusalem and go do what he had asked them to do, and asks the church still today. So Philip basically leaves revival meetings that are attending to go on the road to Gaza, which is basically, I mean, you talk about an armpit. It's just a path through the desert. It's not a very inviting place. And he's never told why he was supposed to go, only that he was supposed to go. And so he obeys because God had told him to go. Well, finally, he's directed by the spirit to approach the chariot, which is carrying the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, again, the text tells us that the eunuch was, was a, basically a high-ranking individual in the court of Queen Candace head of her treasury, which means he wasn't there on a camel out in the middle of nowhere on his own, but rather came with an entire retinue from the queen. So this was an ordeal. For him to come and make his pilgrimage was expensive, it was arduous, and it was intentional. And he was coming to Jerusalem expressly for the purpose of worshiping God Almighty. A non-Jew compelled to come and worship where God was meeting with his people in the place of Jerusalem. Well, as it turns out, being an Ethiopian and a eunuch, he has two strikes against him already. So he comes into Jerusalem to worship at the temple, but being a Gentile, an Ethiopian, meaning a non-Jew, the closest you could get to, let's just kind of make, it, make a little uh, analogy here, instead of being allowed into the auditorium to worship, he had to stay with the Gentiles on the recesses outside of the auditorium. Yeah, you can hang out here in the hub you know, and do what you want, but you're not going inside because you're a Gentile, and it was for only the Jews. But secondly, he was a eunuch. And what that meant under the Old Testament economy was that in order to come before a holy God, there were all kinds of meticulous rules and regulations that an individual had to undergo and and, and basically qualify for to even go into the presence of God. And so this eunuch coming with a passion to worship is a misfit. And he's not allowed in. And so he leaves and he acquires, and I might add at great cost because it's not like he could go down to the local bookstore and grab, you know, the Old Testament as it was written. So he picks up a copy of the scriptures, and again he's reading from the prophet Isaiah, which is probably the most pointed Old Testamental prophecies concerning the coming Jewish Messiah, Jesus, who was coming precisely to fulfill the Old Testament rules and regulations on behalf of mankind so that the way of worship of God was open to everybody, even a Gentile, even a eunuch. So he's reading in the book of Isaiah, and he doesn't really understand it, which is why God had dispatched Philip to go and explain to him the wonders of the Messiah Jesus as Lord and Savior. So, as it continues on, um, Philip or the eunuch sees the water, and he says, "Well, what prevents me to be baptized?" Because as uh, Philip was explaining things to him. And again, we only have an abbreviated version of what actually took place as far as the language. But Philip finally asks the eunuch for an affirmation of his faith. And he says to him, upon upon uh, being asked, that yes, he believes with his whole heart in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, in which case Philip goes down into the water and baptizes him. That story concludes then with the words that Philip took the, uh, the spirit, took Philip away, and the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, went back, we trust, to his home in Ethiopia, to the queen's court. Now, outside of the theological significance of Jesus making the way possible for everybody to come now into the presence of God, is the amazing fact that once the eunuch went back to Ethiopia, there was revivals all over that continent, basically. And the area where the eunuch went in Ethiopia was a Christian stronghold for 1,800 years, and that was only discovered in the 1700s. So one man, Philip, being obedient to the Lord, to go out and do something that he didn't know what he was supposed to do until he got there, sharing Christ with the eunuch, he gets saved and he goes back to his homeland and a big revival breaks out and the gospel goes forth. So many great lessons there. But for us, we're concentrating on the idea of a misfit coming in to worship God, being given the glorious news that, yeah, while you're a misfit, you're a misfit among misfits. And it was because of God's intense love for mankind that he himself became a human being. To do what none of us misfits could ever do, and that is to live a life of absolute sinless perfection to every command of God the Father. And he offers that to every human being to take not anything that we can earn or we can do, but to take the righteousness, the goodness, the purity of the, of God himself and take it as our own. And then furthermore, Jesus came to also pay the punishment that we misfits sins rightly deserve because God is holy and he can't just sweep things under the rug. God himself took that punishment upon himself at the cross. And Jesus offers to everybody that substitution, saying, I'll take your crud so that you don't have to. It's a gift. You take it or you leave it. And if you take it, then as far as God the Father goes, you are sinlessly perfect just as much as I, God myself, am sinlessly sinlessly perfect, having given it to you. And then Jesus, when he was crucified, because he was sinlessly perfect, death couldn't hold him. And so he rose from the grave showing Proof positive once and for all that he was who he said he was, God incarnate, who came to procure the salvation of mankind. He offers it as a gift to everyone. The next little story that we're going to see is just another wonderful example in our day in our time with real people of a misfit among misfits being suited for the kingdom of heaven because of all that he has done.
6: Hi, my name is Casey Henderson. Um, I grew up in a dysfunctional family um, of alcoholism and addiction. There was not much religion um, involved in my childhood. I would attend church during Christmas or Easter, but at that time, I I was scared of, um, what was going on in the churches that I was at, and, um, and not very, um, I didn't believe, I didn't know what to believe in, um, I continued my childhood being scared and not wanting to go to church. Life kind of went on like that for a while, um, I did, I did see my, um, Family going out, our family going to church and getting baptized and and stuff. But I really wasn't sure what it was about. Um, and then when I turned 16, my mom passed away, and at that time I lost all faith in Jesus Christ. I just didn't believe. I was I was lost and confused, young lady. Um, at that time, I found drugs. And that really took a hold of me. That was what I lived for. That's the only thing that I had that made me feel good, and I ran with it. I ran with it, and I found a very abusive um, partner that I stayed with and thought that that was my life, that's what I deserved, and that's what uh, my life was. Um, I continued on that for 12 years, um, trying to get sober in and out of rehabs but, but just always continuing with using. I tried to get sober and start a family with the abusive partner and that turned out very badly. Um, My children actually got taken by the Department of Health and Human Services because I was unable to be a mother. I had the love and affection, but drugs had more of a hold on me. Um, Finally, in 2015, I found out I was pregnant. I was lost, I was hopeless, I was just broken inside. At that time, I entered a rehab. Um, Eight months pregnant, not knowing what I was going to do, but I knew I had to try to do something. Um, Had my son a week into the program, and he was born addicted to drugs. I um, sat there and watched him, not, not knowing what the next step was, not knowing why. I would put uh, a child through this, an innocent child, and I had done this. Um, at that point, I got on my knees, and I just prayed to God to help me and help change my ways, change my life. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I was praying right. I didn't know, didn't know if it would work, but I tried. Um, 28 days later, my son came back to the rehab with me and I just put my all into it. I continued to pray and try to find out more about churches and Jesus Christ and just what it was about because I still didn't know at 29 years old. I really didn't know. Um, I graduated rehab and left with my son. I entered a woman's program and at that point I started to attend church and try to find out more. That didn't last long before the abusive partner came back and we had to relocate. Um, So me and my son got up and came to Kennebec County. I thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And um, it actually has been the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. I have found faith in faith And um, I'm just so blessed to to have learned that my sins are forgiven, that I can repent, that no matter what happened in the past, today is a new day, and Jesus Christ forgives me, and he's with me, he's around me, and he's inside me. Um, Today I'm getting baptized um, to show Jesus Christ to show everybody, um, that I believe and that I, that I just want to show my love for him. Um, and in Acts two thirty eight, Peter says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins and you will receive him in the Holy Spirit. Um, and I truly believe that my life has been blessed beyond I could ever imagine, now that I don't do it my way, but his way.
0: (sighs) Kind of time for the nesty plunge there, it seemed like. Ah. All right, well, like I said, the scripture says that We are all misfits. There's none righteous, none who doeth right, not even one. No one who seeks after God on their own. The wages of sin is death, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm extending an invitation this morning to anyone who is a follower of Christ who has not followed him obediently into the waters of baptism And uh, so you'll have this time to be thinking about that, if that applies to you. Uh, We're going to have a song when I'm done talking here for you to think about it, and then a very brief um, wrap-up in your opportunity to uh, come on up here. And you can either give us a very brief story, or actually I'll probably just ask you a few questions. If uh, if you are making that response this morning, what I want to talk about because of the importance of baptism is, first of all, understanding properly what it is. And we can do that oftentimes more easily by talking about what baptism isn't, because there are many misunderstandings about what baptism is. There are various religious traditions out there, all which wear the name Christian Christian. I, can't, I won't, don't have time, obviously, to go into those this morning. But one of the big ones that has a grip on uh, Central Maine in particular uh, is the one that says that baptism is something that you do to an infant as soon as possible to get rid of, to wash away the stain, as they call it, of original sin. That is a teaching of the church that's not a teaching of Scripture. There's only one thing that washes away sin, original and unoriginal, and every other kind of sin, and that is only the blood of Jesus Christ, God in human form, sacrificed for all of us. That is why he came and shed his blood, to wash away our sins. As far as the east is from the west, which you know what? They never meet. That's as far as your sins have been removed from you, so says the prophet Isaiah the same book that the uh, eunuch was reading. So it doesn't wash away original sin, which is why if you were baptized as an infant, we do encourage people now in in, uh, older years when they're old enough to understand to be baptized again and uh, to observe it by the biblical uh, description and prescription of what baptism is for. Secondly, what baptism is not, and again, these are from a lot of years of experience with people coming and wanting to be baptized, and of course, we ask them why and and uh, kind of get their story and all of that. Um, baptism is not a rite or a ritual of rededication, and by that I mean, and this is this happens pretty commonly, which is another reason why we really kind of discourage parents from letting their children well-meaning and as sincere as can be at a very young age to want to be baptized because honestly um, by God's grace he has so orchestrated the home such that children are very ready to adopt the beliefs of their parents. And so their faith really is kind of a borrowed faith and it doesn't become their own faith until they've been old enough to actually get out there and get a little experience and a little pushback and and some of the, the temptations and when does that happen? The Bible doesn't say when that happens. We leave those decisions up to the parents. But again... We think that at least you need to be in junior high, maybe high school, but again, there's no magic number here, to when you know all of a sudden you start questioning things, and you have the rationale to start questioning, so that when your faith becomes your own, it's truly your own, and it's not simply borrowed. Well, what happens is with, with younger people, when they get baptized, or even older people, They, for one reason or another, or 10,000 other reasons, they go off the deep end, and they go far, far away from the Lord, sometimes for months, sometimes for many, many years, and then all of a sudden they come back, and this time now they are absolutely sold out, and they are ready now to take the Lord seriously and to get their lives together with Him. And they come and they go, I want to be baptized. I was baptized when I was in high school, or I was baptized when I was in college, but man, I went so far off the deep end, and now I'm really there, and I want to just tell everybody how excited I am. We're excited for you. But baptism isn't a rededication ritual. It is a once proclamation with knowing understanding that Jesus Christ is in fact my Lord and Savior. I know that without him I am condemned and I am receiving him and all that he has given me as my gift and my only hope of entering eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And thirdly, Baptism is not a spiritual vitamin which enables somebody to kick a particular uh, habit or besetting sin or something that, that they've really tried with, you know, the fists clenched and gritted teeth. You know, I've been trying for 10 years to quit smoking. I've quit 27 times in that process. Yeah. That was kind of funny. See, 27. Never mind. Okay. So anyway. So they go, well, I want to be baptized because, you know, maybe in my being baptized, even though I've already been baptized, uh, something, you know, supernatural is going to happen to me and I'll be able to quit smoking. Okay, that's not what baptism is all about. Finally, baptism is not a form of penance that gets me back in God's favor. Meaning it's not something that we do that God's going to go, okay, and give you a couple of positive chits on that one until the next time. And then you've got to do something else to get on my good side. No. Once Jesus is Lord and Savior, God no longer sees our sins past, present, and future. And that is why we celebrate. If you've been a follower of Christ for any length of time, or this morning you are really being pulled by the Spirit, we're going to sing one more song. And I'll come back very briefly and give you an opportunity to respond. Let me have you stand. (laughs) All right, as long as you're standing, if there's anybody there, this is it. And I'm not going to sit here and go, okay, I know there's somebody out there I feel. Just real quick, if the Lord's been compelling you, though, we had one in the first service who came after the service was over. Karina. Hi. We know
9: each other. Yeah. yeah. Why are you here? Because I have to stop trying to do everything my own way, and this is it. I have to do it God's way. And i I. You know. I do. Know. But <laughs> it's all right. Um.
0: You're here because Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior.
9: Yes. And okay. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta do it His way. And. This is part of doing it his way. Great.
0: We'll see you at the lake. You can go down. Hi. Your name is Ashley. I'm sorry. Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Hi. And why are you up here today?
6: To declare my body, heart, and soul to
8: Jesus.
0: Good deal. Yes. We'll see you at the lake. Awesome. <laughs> All right anyone else let's pray father in heaven thank you again for the way your spirit moves thank you for giving us life eternal thank you for your open open pouring out of your grace thank you for the gracious invitation to spend eternity with you and for coming and securing it for us because we never could father in heaven we give you thanks and praise In Jesus' name, we rejoice. Amen.